You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. If the saga of Rebecca has whetted your appetite for more true crime stories with the drama of Broadway, then this episode is for you. I am thrilled to welcome back my former colleague and current friend, Robert Viagas. Hello, Miss Ross. How are you? <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. Having fun as editor of Encore Monthly. Yes. For all of you theater lovers out there, if you haven't already subscribed to Encore, a new very flashy glossy from Robert Viagas. It really is a beautiful magazine. Thank you for bringing it into the world. During COVID after all of that, COVID COVID was the best time. It was. People had no Broadway and this was their way to stay connected with Broadway. Well, thank you for bringing us Encore, and thank you for putting my event with Bernadette Peters on the inaugural cover. Um, It was a wonderful event. It was in the darkest moments of this whole thing. You guys organized big stars, incredibly talented people to stand in Times Square and sing show tunes, and you know, it just doesn't get any better than that. I was proud to put that on the cover. Well, thank you for having us, and thank you for coming on to my little old podcast. Um, One of my favorite things about Mr. Viagas here is that um, he's a great theater historian, a wonderful journalist, and a big old gossip. And so if you ever Mm want to know anything of what's going on, really know behind the scenes. Um, Come sit beside me. Exactly. Come sit beside Viagas. So I knew that when I wanted to do an episode all about the crazy-ass shit that has gone on throughout the years on Broadway, I knew exactly who to call. And so I'm very thrilled to have you on, Viagas. I'm happy to be here, and and I love talking about all the things that go on on uh, the amazing Broadway, especially when times when there's as much drama backstage as there is on the stage. Exactly. All right, so let's get started. My first story that I have selected is the notorious producer Garth Rubinsky. Oy vey. Uh, so if you were a fan of the, or even around in the theaters in the late 90s, early 2000s, you knew about mega producer Garth Drabinsky. He won three Tonys for shows like Kiss of the Spider Woman, Showboat, Fosse. He also was the guy behind the amazing revival of Ragtime with Brian Stokes. Well, the original, the original Ragtime. Sorry, excuse me. The, the original, original Ragtime. Ragtime Mm-hmm. With Brian Stokes, Mitchell Lodge, McDonald, Marin Maisie, he was a big shot on Broadway. Tell me a little bit about Grabinski well, when he came uh, on Drabinsky, the scene. 
Drabinsky had been in movies. He got involved with the uh, Cineplex Odeon um, sort of scandal. Um, and then he decided that he didn't want to, uh, that he wanted to work in the theater. And you know something? I, I have a little bit of sympathy for him because his dreams were always so much bigger than his pocketbook. Um, he had these ideas of these these big shows. I mean, look at look at Ragtime. He got all he did was he just put together all the most talented people in on the stage, behind the scenes, and he just put together this thing that was incredible to look at, incredibly inspiring. And there is just no way that show could ever have really turned a profit. It really needed to be in a much bigger theater, of which there was none. Um, and uh, it needed to run for 25 years, which it, it just wound up not doing. Unfortunately, it opened opposite The Lion King. And Lion King scooped up a lot of awards that I know they were kind of hoping to get for themselves. Um, but it was an incredible show. And by the way, we mentioned the theater. He actually was responsible for getting the taking two of the old Broadway theaters and putting the money out there to, com to essentially tear them down. They just kept part of the facade. Built a gorgeous new theater, one of the biggest on Broadway, found a sponsor, Ford, Ford Automobiles, and it became the Ford Center. And it was he, he created a, a new Broadway theater. And he, he was one of the people who was not Disney, who was able to uh, get a theater that was revived on 42nd Street at a time when all those that, that area was so run down. So, you know, give him props for that. It was only one little problem. He just one didn't have problem. the money. <laughs> Well, no more than just a little bit of a problem of just not having money. money. A little bit of a problem of forgery. That's right. Um, to the tune. Now he's Canadian, and so he was convicted in a Canadian court yes. of defrauding a forgery and defrauding shareholders of about five hundred million Canadian dollars. Now the Canadian dollars is not quite up to snuff with the U.S. dollars. However, that's still a large amount of money, Viagas. Yes. So he wasn't, yes. he wasn't exactly uh, just a, a, a little guy with big dreams. Well, no, he was a big guy with, with way too big dreams, unfortunately. And, and it was like a classic, uh, classic Ponzi scheme. I think at some point he thought, um, you know, constantly borrowing from Peter to pay Paul that eventually Peter wouldn't notice it, but eventually Peter did. But wasn't um, he also cooking the books? Like they were two he had sets two of completely books separate sets. Yeah. Yes, he did. He had one that he would show people, and the, and then the actual one. And he and you know people suspected something was was going on when they did that big revival of Candide, uh, which opened at the um, uh, what's the, what's now the Gershwin Theater. Um, there was just nobody in that theater. That theater, you know, there were sagebrushes were rolling down the aisles in that theater. And he kept saying, no, no, it's great. It's doing great. It's doing great. And we just think they must be losing a bomb of money on this show. That show, unfortunately, is one of those shows that just never really made money. Um, but no, he would insist. And if you if you even questioned, uh, as we did many times, uh, where, where's all the money coming from? Man, he would get angry. He'd bang on the desk. He would really, he did not like to, to be questioned. And he would call, he'd, he'd get like two or three calls in the course of an afternoon because he'd get mad, he'd call and yell, and then he'd calm down, and then he'd get mad again, and then he'd call and yell again. Hmm. Um, well, but in the end, he, he was he spent time in jail. They, they, I was uh, going to say, so in 2009, he was sentenced to seven years. And again, this was in Canada. Yeah. He was also... 
charged with something in the U.S., but he never came back to the United States. So he was a fugitive from the U.S. while he was Mm -hmm. in prison, right? That's correct. What's crazy to me is, so in 2009, he gets sentenced to seven years in Canada. He gets out of jail and he's still, and he starts producing again. Uh, I hate to tell you, he has a show that he's putting up now. I know. So, but the so before the show he's putting up now, which is going to Broadway, which is wild to me. Paradise he, Square. It's yes, cool. he has this show, Paradise Square, that's coming. That's that has a really. It's Moises Kaufman is directing it. Bill T. Jones is the choreographer. It's about the. Uh, it's about the draft riot. The the it's this. It's setting before the draft riots in the early. Um, the, the late 1800s, right? Mm-hmm, that's right. And the, it's a New York something that happened in New York. It's based on a historical New York uh, um, th- a thing that happened here. So he is he's allowed to produce that, and he is it coming to the U.S. It's it was it's it was produced at Berkeley, and then it's supposed to be coming to Broadway because the U.S. charges of which he was a he was uh, he was. Um, on the lamb for were subsequently dropped after 10 years. But even when he was still on the lamb after he got out of jail, he produced a show. He produced a show with Vicki Clark. You know, it reminds me of the scene at the very end of the movie of the producers where even though they've been sent to jail for ripping people off, they're in jail and they're putting together a musical called Prisoners of Love. And once again, they're trying to they're trying to defraud people out of money. Well, um, I guess you know, as as Berkeley Berkeley rep, which put on Paradise Square, um, you know, the organizers there believe that everybody deserves a second chance, and that you know he served his time, and so we'll see if that if that makes a big Broadway comeback. But wow, wouldn't that be something if he actually had a hit after all that Michigas? Well, you know, um, he. Um, you know, I was I was comparing it to Prisoners of Love. He's not in jail now, and in fact, um, the show is going to try out in uh, Chicago uh, at the Nederlander Theater there. And I'm sure the Nederlanders, after all they've been through and all he's been through, I'm sure that they have checked those books seven ways to Sunday. I'm sure they are being very very careful. Wow. Well, we'll see what what comes of that. But that that was one of the more interesting uh, uh, white collar crimes of Broadway. My next big Broadway drama is probably one of my favorite because it's just so silly. Um, well, it's not silly to the people it happened to, but in hindsight, it is quite silly. And that is Jeremy Piven and Sushi Gate. Now, the setting of this one is in 2008, Jeremy Piven is a really big star. He stars in the HBO show Entourage, and he is then cast – for his broad, I think it's his Broadway debut, even though he comes from a long line of theater, um, a theater family. But I think it's his Broadway debut. He's in a big revival of Speed the Plow, uh, which became famous uh, as Madonna's one and only Broadway credit. But he's cast in the revival opposite Raul Esparza and Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men. So this is a big, ritzy, limited revival that's coming back to Broadway in 2008. Soon into their rehearsals, Piven starts citing some health concerns um, as to why he is missing some rehearsals and and ultimately previews and things like that because um, of a a myriad of different illnesses, 
uh, one of which includes mercury poisoning from eating too much sushi. He says he ate too much sushi and he got mercury poisoning. You have to eat a lot of sushi to get mercury poisoning. But uh, of all the reasons that he could have given, that was the reason that he gave. And that's why he said, I just, I can't, I've been missing performances. I just can't go on with this show. Yes. And then he ultimately drops out of the show. Now, the person he goes up against in this battle is the producer, Jeffrey Richards. Mm-hmm. Now, Jeffrey a Richards wonderful is guy. No- Richard, Red, he's a good guy, Jeff Richards. Are you being facetious? No, I'm not. He put on he puts on a lot of wonderful revivals. He does, but he's a tough cookie. Oh, he's a tough cookie. No he's question. He's a about very, that. very tough cookie and a peculiar right. one at that. And so Jeffrey Richards is no wilting wallflower. It's not somebody I would want to go up against mm-hmm. um, in any in any uh, argument because he's a very tough cookie. So Jeffrey Richards, who as you know, puts up a lot of wonderful shows and is yes. a premier producer of lots of mammoth shows. Whether Correct. or not you like mammoth is neither here nor there. But Jeffrey Richards is a big champion of him. He and uh, Neil Pepe, who is the director, they go to to uh, seek some sort of arbitration with Actors Equity after uh, after Piven drops out because of mercury poisoning. Mm-hmm. What comes out of that disagreement is a whole lot of mudslinging. He says, I was on death's door. I was at the hospital. I have been eating fish twice a day for 20 years, so I'm exhausted. I have mercury poisoning. I also have Epstein-Barr, which I think is also um, uh, – Epstein-Barr is um, – uh, what's it called? The kissing disease. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mono, mono, it's mono. Mononucleosis. It's mono. It's what everybody got in college and had to sit out uh, a couple of weeks of college from. So he says, I have mono and I have uh, mercury poisoning from eating fish twice a day and I'm at death's door. To which they reply, nah, you were at Britney Spears' birthday party living it up. You were at cocktail parties. You've been out partying all the live long day. And... They went into arbitration because of this. Do you yeah. know what the – can you tell me what the outcome was after all this infighting due to they a just, they spicy tuna roll? They just replaced him. But, and now he's been – now he's involved with a Me Too uh, issue. Oh, is he? I didn't oh, realize yes. that. Yes, oh, ma'am. What kind of Me Too issue? Um, a woman um, on the set of Entourage says that he groped her breasts and buttocks and he's denying oh, it. Hmm. Well, it's funny because – well, it's not funny, but it's interesting. After all of this, he drops out of the show. I think William H. Macy replaced him, which who I saw it was actually an excellent production. Bill Macy was amazing in it. He's so, always great. Was, yeah. They took but, a step up, I have to say. Yes. I mean. Well, did you see Piven in it? I, I, saw, I saw Macy in it, not Piven. Okay. So – he drops out and never to return. The show still recoups, and yes. Bill Macy is great in it. But Piven kind of became the butt of a lot of jokes because of this. And he, after Entourage, he it, he hasn't really had he had that Miss Pepperidge, I think it was called, on um, that TV show on uh, on PBS, and now he's doing stand up, mm-hmm. stand up comedy. But I don't really, I don't know that he really made any sort of big, huge career moves after that. Well, you know, it's it's 
there's so many actors out there, so many people working hard and competing with each other. You really don't want to have any kind of a, a black mark next to your name, no matter how talented you are. I mean, you and I could sit here and we could mention a number of actresses and actors who um, they've just gotten a, a bad rep they, that they're people who was they may have uh, pushed somebody around, something got into the newspapers. And now these people have a difficult time getting work. That's well, people I just don't want to don't want to work with them. They want to they appreciate their talent, but they don't want to have to go through the tsuris of of dealing with these people on a on a day after day basis. And there's a, a lot of people in the industry you can put in that category. Yeah, or who well, were we in the industry. We won't we won't mention names. Uh, we won't mention too many names. Um, but I will say that actors after going through arbitration with Actors Equity, they actually ended up. Um, coming down on the side of Piven after all of this, that he was mm -hmm. ill and that um, he didn't hold any um, any fault in the matter. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what was said in arbitration? I do not. What did they say? Um, uh, they basically said that um, they had given that he had said, please have your doctor check me out to the production and that the, the doctors didn't end up checking him out. And, um, you know all of the all of the uh, the examples of him going out and partying were few and far between, and it wasn't him going out and partying every single night, but it was just a couple of blowing off steam moments here or there. I mean, if I was invited to Britney Spears' birthday party, I'd go to it, no matter <laughs> how much sushi I'd eaten the night before. But Actors Equity did did uh, did come down on his side. He exited uh, not so gracefully. William H Macy. Um, ended up taking over for him. The show did quite well, and Piven never worked on Broadway again. So I guess TBD as to whether or not anyone will ever take him on again. But that was well. The, I mean, he, he did do he did do that HBO series Entourage. That was a pretty big deal for him. Uh, that was not. But that was, was before a, all this. Well, Entourage. no, it ha this this kind of happened uh, after this. I mean, he was he was where he was appearing on the show at the time of the um, the arbitration. When he was "quote unquote" completely exonerated, uh, but I think some of the damage was uh, was still. Well, Entourage was before. That's why he was so famous. Uh -huh. Entourage was before the show. He was famous. Then he was in Spread the Plow. But then, mm -hmm. ever since then, nothing really came up. Like I said, he was in that Mrs. Pepper Jizz. I don't know how it right. said uh, PBS mm -hmm. show after that, but never came back. Never came back to Broadway. So I guess TBD mm -hmm. as to whether or not anybody else will take him on. So, well, you know, you have to be careful, you know, you yes. have to you have to tread carefully and something like that. If the even though he was, uh, you know, he was found the, the, in arbitration, he was found to have been justified. I, a lot of the damage was already done. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Like you said, I don't know that anybody would necessarily want to take on undergo that liability after all of that craziness comes out after it. But anyway, okay, on to our next scandal. This one is also very interesting and probably not very well known to uh, people who weren't alive or around in the 1970s. And that is of probably one of the biggest white-collar criminals to be associated with the stage, uh, Miss Adela Holzer. Adela. Yes. Adela is Adela is cool. She did some. She, she came from Spain. First of all, she was an immigrant, and she got involved in all sorts of businesses, food importing, and uh, all sorts of things. But she had an eye on Broadway, and I have to say, even with all her crimes for which she did serve time, a lot of them were not 
specifically related to Broadway. She wasn't trying to um, steal money from Broadway investors or defraud people. She defrauded she other people to get money to get money for Broadway. So that right, she could exactly. Her hobby. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So she, in the 70s, she's the well, she's the wife of, I believe, her, of a shipping magnate. Mm-hmm. She has numerous degrees, or at least that's what she says. A lot of what she says to the press can't necessarily be verified. That's so right. everything, she's a big take it with a grain of salt, but she's a wife of a shipping magnate. She has numerous degrees. She's living in a ritzy townhouse on the Upper East Side. And she's one of the few women that's able to play in the big leagues of theater producing in the 70s. She starts her career off investing in hair. Right. So she's she goes, she produces a show with Dustin Hoffman. She produces the original Ritz, Terrence McNally's right. The Ritz. So she's a, a bona fide big deal on Broadway in the 70s. Terrence McNally, who wrote the book to Ragtime. So he yes, of or Terrence is is on the periphery of all these these scams. I mean, he's he's he was a great guy, but he yes. was was on the periphery of these I scams. Yes, yeah. So in 79, Adela is indicted for running a Ponzi scheme on a Toyota dealership in Indonesia. <laughs> and her her lawyer is Roy Cohn. Mm-hmm. So Roy Cohn is one of her lawyers. In that first Ponzi scheme that she's indicted in, one of the investors in that scheme was a man named Jeffrey Pickauer, who then was later implicated in the Bernie Madoff scam. So this, she has lots of interesting characters all around her throughout her life. So she sues, serves two years in prison. She gets out of prison. And then, this is my favorite part, she produces a show about Joseph McCarthy called mm-hmm. Senator Joe. Did a you musical. know this? Yes, oh, a yes. musical. A musical, Senator Joe. So, of uh, course, Roy Cohn was. was Roy, yeah, it's yes, Roy Cohn's nemesis, or Roy, Roy Cohn was his nemesis. Well, no, wasn't no, he? No, 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 I'm sorry. No, they were, I'm sorry. They yes, were on he the was the side. hatchet man. They he were was on Mark, the same side. Yeah, yes, so yes, yes. Cohn, famously of uh, lots of things, including Donald Trump's lawyer, lawyer and very Angels famously in depicted in Angels in America, was right. Joe McCarthy's hatchet man pursuing communists in the mm-hmm. United States. She gets out of jail after being represented by Roy Cohn and then makes a musical about Joe McCarthy. McCarthy. Crazy. Did, did you see it? No, I haven't seen it. Have you seen I it? Saw, I saw it twice. 
Oh, God. It, was, it, it tried out at Westport Country Playhouse, and I got to see it when it was up there, and then I saw it when it was on Broadway. Was it any good? There were, you know, people talk about Carrie and, like, these moments, these sort of uh, springtime for Hitler moments in, mm-hmm. in Carrie. There were plenty of them in Senator Joe, plenty. There was a number where they had all these dancing Wait, like blood, real blood. springtime for Hitler moments? No, like like the numbers would end and people wouldn't applaud or boo. They would <laughs> just be stunned into silence. Oh, mm, okay, so it was great. There should be a revival really quick, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. I liked, I liked the dancing blood corpuscle scene. There was one scene that took place, I believe, in his liver or something, and, um, and the, <laughs> the blood corpuscles were, were uh, dancing and singing. It was very peculiar. Huh. Interesting. So Diradella is then arrested again after again. she produces a show. She ends up, all in all, I, I don't know how many times she was arrested, but she ends up spending 14 years of her life behind bars um, for all different types of schemes. One scheme involves her having an imaginary marriage to David Rockefeller. Yes, she claimed to be his secret wife. Yes. And people, and that's bad, but people believed it and gave her money. Yes, people believed it and gave her money. Of course, somebody who's married to Rockefeller needs money. But she would use it to raise money. Yes, and she bolstered the lie with a fake marriage license and a framed photo of him at her bedside that was clipped out of a magazine. And then when the detectives approached her on East 43rd Street to make her arrest, she Mm -hmm. ran and was pinned to the hood of a car and handcuffs, and she said, I ran away because I thought you were muggers. Mm Mm-hmm. This is this is a fantastic story. I think this needs to be a play. She's a musical. She, she is a is musical. Totally a musical. Then, no question about it. She's not done yet. Oh no. Then she's in her 70s. In 2001, she has another scheme. This time she has and another relationship, another fake relationship. This time, did you hear the next fake relationship that she was in? Go ahead. Strom Thurmond. The senator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you go from David Rockefeller to Strom Thurmond, but here we are. So, and then even when she's behind bars, she's very enterprising. She was jailed with Jean Harris, who was mm-hmm. the woman who was convicted in the murder Mayflower of the, Madam. the Scarsdale Diet. Scarsdale doctor. Diet doctor, right? Yes. So she serves as, as her like publicist behind bars. So she's a very she's a fascinating woman. Anyway, like I said, she goes to, to jail for 14 years and ends up getting out, released in prison in 2010 in her 80s. And she just died last year. 2019 she died. I think it was 2020. September 2020 was when her obit ran in the New York Times. Either way, she just okay. died, I think. And my the funniest part of the obituary was they didn't really know her age. Because she was told so many lies. They said she could be anywhere in her 90s. They didn't know her exact age. That's right. Actually, as we're talking, I just looked this up. She died September 1st, 2019. Okay. And her birth, it says circa December 14th, 1928. Even they weren't sure. Fascinating. 
What a fascinating oh, By the way, I, I'm sorry. I called her Mayflower Madam before. That was completely wrong. Scarsdale Diet Scarsdale Doctor. Diet Doctor. Yes. I knew it was one of those tabloidy names, yes. but I just want to correct that very quickly. Yes. Either way, fascinating lady. Yes. Well, you know, she, she came to America and she just decided to pursue her dream. And, uh, and you know, she had, she didn't really have, um, you know, guidelines. She just was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get what I want. And if I need to make up some things, everybody makes up things. So I'm going to make things up too. If you're going to make up somebody to get married to, probably not Strom Thurmond. <laughs> of all the people. Okay. Right. Also, not a very popular senator. Yeah, on it's such a very bizarre. Oh wow, how bizarre! You never. This was before your. This is before your times. You never met her. Or really came into contact with her. I met her a couple of times. No, I did. I was introduced to her. She was also a big party girl. She used to go out to discos and things. Oh wow! And, um, when I was very very young, I I did, uh, and when I was hanging around with the chorus line people because of my uh, working on that book about them. Um, we 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 crossed paths with her a couple of times. Anything memorable about your encounters with her? Her hair. She had, you know, at a time, this was now the early 80s, I would say, early mid 80s. In a decade that was devoted to big hair, she had amazing hair. She had a, it was, it was, uh, um, it was, it was a helmet. It was, inc it was incredible. It was power hair. No question oh about it. Interesting. Well, I think I still think there may be a musical here about her. How interesting. Okay. Well, our our next. I think this is probably going to be our last one because we've had. Oh. Uh, there's there's certainly a lot more via because we might have to do episode two. But <laughs> this next one, boy, this is a doozy. So this one is about James Barber, which came uh, a little bit later um, in mm -hmm. Broadway history. Mm -hmm. So in two thousand and six. James Barber, who was the star of Beauty and the Beast, Jane Eyre, um, he was charged with committing five felony counts of criminal sexual acts and sexual abuse against a 15-year-old girl. Ugh. Mm -hmm. So the story is, is that in 2001, when he was in Jane Eyre, this girl who was 15 uh, goes to the show with her parents. She goes backstage alone into his dressing room where she says that she is sexually abused. And then he then takes them out. He then takes the girl and her parents out to dinner and continuous, continues to sexually touch her under the table throughout the meal. That is what prosecutors said upon his arrest in 2006. Oh, boy. Yes. Um, and then on top of that, they had another encounter the month following uh, to go see a friend of his perform in a show. And then he took her back to his apartment on the Upper West Side, where, again, prosecu prosecutors claimed that they engaged in oral sex. So this is a very, very heavy charge and was a very big story back in 2006 yes. when all this happened. I remember, you know, it was the cover of the Post many times about him because he was the beast. I think he was the beast at the time, right? Or he had just come off that run. Do you remember? I do not remember exactly what the timing was there. But it was a lot about him 
having been the beast on Broadway and now right. these beasts. And now he's a beast, right? Yeah, that's, that's accusations right. against him happen. The girl was 15 years old at the, and then when, when she brought these allegations against him, she was 20. At the time, his attorneys claimed that she was doing this just because, you know, the, the, the um, statute of limitations were about to expire. Um, but he ends up a year later in, tw- in 2007 pleading not guilty. No, sorry, excuse me, pleading guilty. guilty yes, he pleaded guilty. several charges. Sorry, he in 2008, he ended up pleading guilty to lesser charges of endangering a minor. Right. Um, and he ends up spending, I think, between 30 to 60 36 days. 36 days he spent at Rikers, days, yeah, at Rikers. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also had to go public with it and he had to admit it and he had to, you know, But it was apologize. a misdemeanor. So he right. didn't have to plead. He did not have to register as a sex offender. I think that was the big uh, deal that they cut. But um, my goodness, this was um, a very, very yucky thing. The woman who we will not um, name here, but the woman who was a girl then, she it was is, was an is an actress and is a fairly well known actress, mm-hmm. um, but he ended up. I don't know if this would have happened now. I um, I would think that things would be a lot different for Barbara, but he ends up going on to to booking a lot of shows. One of which is Rebecca. Rebecca, that's right. He was supposed to be leading man in Rebecca. So, <sighs> wow. This well, you know he. He's a t- he is a talented guy, and um, uh, I think there are some people, you know, and the, you know, certainly before um, the Me Too movement, a lot of there was a lot of this attitude of boys will be boys, and you know he said he's sorry and he paid his debt to society, and I think a lot of those things don't fly anymore. Oh, um, thank God! Especially I mean, when there's a pattern. Fit- especially when there's a pattern like. Yes, and there seem to have been a couple of allegations, although none of them substantiated against Barber. Mm-hmm. But this girl was 15 years old, which is absolutely disgusting, and somehow has also been part of the Rebecca story as well is sexual abuse against minors. So this one, um, boy, but then it was really flabbergasted then. And still am now about it. I don't know how Barber still gets cast in things, but he was recently, I mean, a couple of years ago, he was the Phantom for a long time, for like three years mm-hmm. or something. And these these crimes resurfaced and there was a big hubbub about it, but he still went on as the Phantom. Do you remember that? Very, very well. I was surprised. And it just shows that, that there are, he must have had uh, friends in the business who wanted to make sure he continued to get employment. And he was a talented performer. Um, but I've, if you're going to protect your female employees of all ages, you know, you, you have to consider that. You have to consider that strongly. One um, of the I feel sorry for the women who had to work with him, knowing what they knew. Oh, yes, I do, too. But he keeps on working, although never really, you know, became a huge superstar. But had very, you know, fairly big roles on Broadway. Um, one of my favorite odd factoids about him was then he also became a big headliner for Scientology events. I don't know if yes. he ended up being a Scientologist himself or what it is, but he he headlined a number of different 
paid appearances for for David Miscavige and the folks, the dear and wonderful folks over at Scientology. That's right, and he's he has obviously he has a group of people who protect him, um, and and some people who feel that uh, that he he's wronged by some of these things, even though he's pleaded guilty. You know, it's one thing. It's one thing. I know there's a lot of argument. People say, well, um, he's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, and I, but in this particular case, not only was he proven guilty, he 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 admitted guilt. He admitted that he did it. So uh, um, it's it's a, a mystery to me how some of these when there's so many other people who who toe the line and who are careful and who are respectful um, and aren't and total who, creeps. Gross. And who care and who care yeah. about the, the women that they they work with as professionals. That's the thing. Thinking of women as your playthings. What, what about that song in uh, well, How to Succeed in Business? Women. These really weren't trying. women. They were girls. Right. That's right. To Females. me, this holds uh, – he's – it's gross. I don't know how anybody employs him. Absolutely disgusting, vile. But again, some people get their due and then others somehow just float through it. I mean, he was in Rikers, but my goodness, it's get, then getting cast in the lead role of one of the biggest shows on Broadway – that doesn't really seem like someone who seems like someone got got away with a little bit too much. If you ask also, my opinion, my opinion he was also in Tale of Two Cities. Remember, he was in Tale of Two Cities. Yes, He's I do remember he was in Tale of Two Cities because mm-hmm. I do remember meeting him when I was a publicist, mm-hmm. uh, and he came to me uh, for some publicity of advice, of which I gave him none because gross. So, <laughs> uh, in any good, event, good for you. Well, ugh. How could you do good publicity for somebody with? I mean, molesting children is is a bit a bridge too far. This isn't just you know, uh, oops, some bad TikTok video. I mean, it, that's mm-hmm. a very big, very big and bad, horrible thing. So, in any event, those were our scandals for today. If you would like us to talk about more scandals, of which there are many, many, many in Lots this grand more. old show biz. Uh, please let me know. I'm on Instagram at Blake Ross NY. Let me know what scandals are your favorite, and then I'll bring back my pal, the August, and we'll talk about some more scandals of Broadway. What do you think about that, the August? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. I mean, there's <laughs> some of these scandals are percolating right now. Exactly. Oh, geez. More to come. Thank you for joining us, the August. My pleasure. Thank you, Blake. For sources and more information on the Rebecca scandal, visit bpn.fm slash BERT. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.